Welcome to Fearless Mom. Last week we started our series, The Parenting Pendulum, and while I do believe that last week's topic, talking about equipping for one day while enjoying this day, is mission critical because I believe it changes the way you parent when you pick your head up and you parent toward raising an adult, Today, though, is my favorite topic. So I want to go ahead, and while I think last week is so important and there's such value in it because it's a game changer, today is a really fun one. And so I want to go ahead and get started. So we're going to start by giving a shout out to our online moms. Moms, we are cheering you on here in Austin. Our prayer is that you feel our love, our support, our encouragement, and that you remember that you are not alone and that you are not crazy when you think, I don't know what I'm doing because we don't know what we're doing either. But a fearless mom never quits. We keep at it, we keep at it, we dig our feet in and we do the work. Dig your heels in and do the work. Now, sometimes we hit the mark, sometimes we miss the mark, but we never quit trying. And so as a matter of fact, online mom, I'm thinking that there are some of you who are watching or listening who um, you may be by yourself and you feel alone. So we're going to start with prayer and we're going to pray especially for you today. So let's all bow our heads. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the calling and the responsibility of motherhood. We're grateful, God, that you give us your word, that you have put people in our lives who can encourage us and direct us and counsel us. And Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you hover over that online mom, that you, you remind her that we are with her and that we are all in this together and that we are cheering her on. God, I ask right now that you settle our hearts and our minds, open our eyes and our ears, so that we can see and hear what you want us to learn today, so that we can be the moms you created us to be and raise up these children to discover who you created them to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, now last week we did start this series, Parenting Pendulum, because the truth is, a lot of mom's responsibilities, a lot of our jobs, a lot of what we do seems to be at odds. For instance, last week we talked about our responsibility is to parent toward the future. But if you're not careful and you focus too much on the future, you'll miss what's going on right now. So those seem to be opposites. Next week we're going to talk about the role of wife and mom. Sometimes those seem to be at odds. Today we're going to talk about two concepts that seem to be complete opposites but we know that our children need both and that's where the parenting pendulum comes into play you see our role as moms is to recognize the need for both to recognize the responsibility of both to become aware and then choose to do the work to manage the motion and tend to the tension of our parenting pendulum now part of doing that means recognizing 
that there are seasons in motherhood that actually that's what parenting is, just a series of seasons, and it's always evolving and always changing. And there are some seasons when your parenting pendulum, whether it comes to last week's topic, this week's topic, or next week's, you're going to swing more one way or the other. But our responsibility is to be aware of that, to be okay with that, and then to make the adjustments necessary because we know that our peace comes when our pendulum comes back to here. So no matter where you are right now, if you have a newborn, if you have a teenager, if you have an adult child, and you feel like your pendulum is one swing, one big swing or the other, here is what our goal is, because that's where we find the peace. Again, today's topic, they seem like opposites. They seem completely, you know, it's counterintuitive that we would need both. But the reality is, and we're going to look at some research today that shows that our children need both play and order. Our children need both play and order. So today, we're going to work on managing the motion, tending to the tension of our parenting pendulum, and we're going to talk about the need for play and order flexibility and structure, fun and serious. I'm going to say them again. Play and order, flexibility and structure, fun and serious. You see, you can look at these, and if you use common sense, you'll see that your children need both. You'll see actually that you need both, that your friendships, your relationships, your marriage, everyone thrives when we recognize the need for both. Play and order, flexibility and structure, fun and serious. And children need these, and it's obvious children need play and children need order. It's also obvious that most of us drift toward one or the other. But a fearless mom embraces the responsibility and when I know that my children need both, I recognize I drift more towards one. Therefore, I choose to do the work to create the other. Now, probably as you saw play in order, you know, the flexibility and structure, the fun and serious, you can see which one you drift toward. Most of us drift toward one or the other. And maybe your husband is the same as you. Maybe your husband is the opposite of yours. That's okay. Doesn't matter. Wherever you drift, we celebrate that. And then you work to create the other because you recognize the need for it. I don't think it will surprise you that I drift toward fun, flexibility, and play. That's my nature. That's my capacity. That's my God-given personality. So I could look at parenting and go, oh, I hope my kids get some order somewhere because I like fun all the time. But that's not what a fearless mom does. A fearless mom recognizes the responsibility, embraces the responsibility, and says, I celebrate my capacity the way that God made me, but I will do the work necessary to create the other in my home. Therefore, I have to work hard at creating order and structure and to see the serious in the home because I tend to make a joke out of everything and guess what I don't know if you've already discovered this but if you have preteens and teens that's not always great okay so just give you a little heads up there not always the right spin now if you think about your children 
If your children are a little older, you may already see that they have a drift toward one or the other. Well, there is value in not only my putting it into my home, the order, but there's value into my implementing order and structure and series into my life. And if I see there's value in my life for both, then my desire is to give that to my children. And so whereas I may have one who drifts toward order, my responsibility is a teacher that her life works better with both. And so now I'm going to help her create the fun and the flexibility. Does that make sense? So, because it's not just about parenting. It's just about life in general. All of our lives work better when we recognize that we need both. There is value in both play and order, flexibility and structure, fun and serious. And whichever way you drift, it is your responsibility to create the other. If your drift, if your natural swing is order, I mean awesome, uh, you probably don't forget, you know, the things that I forget, like sending lunch with a child or paying for things, things like that, you know, just little things. Um, so, so then, but you recognize, we celebrate you, but then you must recognize the need for fun in your home and for laughter and for play. And so the truth is kids need both. So that's what we're going to do. And today we're going to look at some very practical ways to implement both. And so it, this is no matter where you are in your parenting journey, because whether you are expecting your first child or expecting your grandchild, your life works better your relationships work better if you implement these. So let's look at the first one. Play, we must recognize that play is powerful. Everybody say powerful. powerful. Uh-oh, say it powerfully. Say powerful. It is a big deal. It is not wasted time. It is invested time. Play is powerful. It's not an afterthought. It's not an extra. If you have time, it is worth the work to put it into the culture of your home. Play is powerful and laughter is life-giving. Laughter is life-giving. Laughter breathes life into a situation. We must use discernment and wisdom when it, we choose when to put it into a situation. But laughter is life-giving. Look at what Scripture says, Ecclesiastes 3, 4. There is a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. You see, this verse tells us you won't always be happy. Joy is not about being happy all the time. When it says rejoice in the Lord always, joy is recognizing the eternal perspective. It's even in the sadness we see that God will use it for good one day. And so we look at it with a joyful perspective. But this verse tells us there will be sad times but there will also be happy times. And so we are focusing today on the laughter part. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. The next verse, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, this is my favorite, well, I have to say my favorite scripture, one of my top five. Um, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with... Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Yes, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. 
joy. You see, when I think of this verse, this is actually about the nation of Israel. And so when the Lord brought us back, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, those outside of Israel looking in, oh, the Lord has done great things for them. Then the nation of Israel says, yes, the Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with Now let's put it into parenting. I think if I am laughing, if I am joyful, if there's laughter in my home, if I'm creating laughter in my home, see, God saved me. God gives me an eternal perspective. Because I stepped into a relationship with Christ, I know that I live in relationship with the Almighty. And so no matter what my circumstance, I have a heart filled with joy. Now, when the Lord saved me, my, I was one who dreamed. My mouth is filled with laughter, my tongues with songs of joy. Now, it was said among my children, it was said among those who are looking from the outside in, the Lord has done great things for her. And then I say to my children, yes, the Lord has done great things. And therefore, I am filled with joy. You see, your laughter communicates an ease, a safety, a comfort because of your eternal perspective. doesn't mean there's never sadness. It just means it communicates more to your children than you realize. You see, one time Mac and I have told this story a million times, I think because even at the time I was so surprised by what it communicated to my teenage daughter. Mac and I were sitting in bed, and um, one of us had said something funny. <laughs> you know, just humor all the time. But um, one of us had said something I can't remember. We were probably mocking each other. Um, but we were laughing. Emily was probably 15 or 16. She walked into our bedroom. Mac and I are just sitting there laughing. And she just stopped. And she said, I love y'all. And that was it. And I, Mac and I afterwards, you know, she left. I said, what was that? And we realized, you see, our laughter, our ease, our comfort with one another communicated volumes to her. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. We want the children to notice that. It's a big deal. Don't feel like you have to laugh all the time if it's not your natural drift. You just recognize the significance of it, and you work it into part of your life. That's what we're going to talk about. She is clothed with strength and dignity. For crying out loud, this is our theme verse, people. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she without fear. You see, laughter communicates no fear. Laughter communicates a confidence. Laughter communicates an ease. She laughs without fear of the future. Sometimes it's a fake laugh <laughs> because we are very fearful. But the laughter is there because laughter is important. Laughter communicates so, so, so much. You, we're going to talk about discipline in a few weeks. And when we talk about play and putting in the hours, putting in the time to spend time together, to play games and all of that, laughter and play and flexibility, see, it builds trust. We're creating a culture in our home. And so you're creating a culture, either, you know, incidentally or intentionally, either by design or by default. And so fearless moms, we recognize that our choices dictate that culture. And so we want a culture where our children come in from school, come in from college, come in when they're visiting with their children, wherever they're coming in from, that they go, Everybody take a deep breath. I'm home, I'm safe, and I like it here. 
I'm home, I'm safe, and I like it here. Laughter contributes to that. And trust is mission critical when it comes to discipline. So playing those games, adding the laughter, that's where you're putting in the chips. That's why I said it's not time wasted, it's time invested. Because for them, for discipline to work the way it should, it's most valuable when your children trust you. And you're investing in that trust when you're playing games and when you're laughing together. Now, there are so many other benefits of health and la- of, of play and laughter, physical benefits, social benefits. We all want our children to develop into the uh, you know, people that God created them to be. So we want them to excel academically. We want them to do well and use their minds the way they were created. There are studies, endless studies. You can look at it with the laughter. Um, I guess we did a lecture maybe last year on laughter. It talks a lot about it. So, um, but about the how relaxing the brain actually enables kids to think better and the studies that have shown um, where their problem-solving skills and actually pain tolerance. There are so many valuable things that the kids get from laughter. I would encourage you to um, look back at that. But we all agree that it's important in our home. So a simple, inexpensive, and great way to add play into your home, number one, play games as a family. Well, you may be thinking, no, not a game player. Well, guess what? Not about you. (laughs) I mean, I I don't want to hurt your feelings, but it's not about you. It's what your kids need. And so whether you like games or not, you know, get over yourself. Um, So that's our parenting lesson for today. (laughs) Get over yourself. But seriously, when you recognize the value and you see what you're doing, you're willing to do things that are not your favorite. Um, You know, Mac didn't come home from the office like, please, can we play Candyland today? Um, But he understood the value because I communicated to him that it was important for our kids' development. Um, There are so many things that kids learn from games uh, like this. I must take turns. Any of you who had strong-willed kids and you're thinking, well, games are difficult, that means you play them twice as much, not half as much. Okay, so they learn I must take turns and share. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. Let me repeat that one. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. That is a life skill. Um, I can be happy for someone else's success. We practiced saying, I'm so happy for you. (laughs) We would force them to say it even when they didn't mean it. I'm happy for you, congratulations. Good game. That's right. They didn't mean it, but they learned it was part of the game. Um, Also, I can show compassion for someone else's disappointment. Mm -hmm. Now, Mac did not always model this. Um, He would harass me. Does anybody play Candyland? You know, Mama got plumpy. You know, you have to go all the way back to the beginning. And I'm like, I will queen frosting you in just a minute. So, okay, so you show compassion for someone else's disappointment. And then, hey, life skill right here now. Life's not always fair, but God is always good. That's our lesson. Life's not always fair, but God is always good. So when you play these games, there's so much. Okay, 91% of families who play games report that playing games together improves their mood. Even, this is the study showed this, even 13 to 17-year-olds. 
So if your teenagers balk at playing spoons, you know, if your teenagers balk at it, you just blow them off, okay? Because the studies show, and you can tell them this, your mood will improve if we play this game. (laughs) Even 13 to 17-year-olds. The more a family plays games together, the more satisfied parents tend to be with their family time. I think it's because we can feel like that time is productive. And so if you are naturally an order person, a let's get the job done person, and you see the value in play, and you feel like, okay, this is, we're getting something done here, then I believe you can feel that that time is productive. Now, I'm going to be honest, our game nights sometimes ended in tears and um, drama. But that, don't give up if it ends in tears and drama. That just means you do it even more. And so, I know, you're like, really? Yes, seriously. Um, It is worth it. There are so many life skills to learn in playing games. Um, um, I can't help but think, uh, I don't have time to tell the story, but it was so funny. Emily just burst into tears about something I don't know. And, um, and then does anybody play sorry? Okay, and that's so random, and you bump people off that, oh, yeah, oh, that can get ugly. Uh, but those are life skills. It's not personal. We're all playing to win. That's okay, you know. Um, yeah, it got brutal. Um, but here, I'm going to give you a few points, a few tips, though. Be sure everybody knows how to play before the game. Be sure everybody knows how to play. Do trial runs with partners. Talk about what could happen before the game. Okay, let's practice. If you win, what are you going to say? If you lose, what are you going to say? Prepare them before. Laugh while you're playing. Set the pace with your smile. Start with quick games. Even my husband does better with dominoes because it moves really fast. You know, we play to 200, but it's fast moving. Those are his favorites. And so, you know what? Because they're his favorites, and he's then we all do that because we love for him to participate. Um, And then um, start with games of chance because that puts everybody on a level playing field. I'm looking right here at you where you have kids of all ages, you know, the true facts. And so a game of chance, though, puts everybody on a level playing field. And so I would highly encourage those games. Um, But don't underestimate. It is not time wasted. It is time invested. In addition to playing games, you can go on an adventure and try something new. An adventure is anything you've never done before. There is great value in your kids watching you try something new and not master it. That's even better. There is great, I mean, just, I can't even tell you the value, particularly with moms. I think dads tend to have more hobbies that the kids see, that the kids um, observe. And so moms, we've got to work twice as hard and let them see us try something new. Let them see us walk around in our swimsuit without saying a word about it. Let let them see us um, do the water slide. We're not there just to monitor. We're there to participate. You've got to get over over yourself and see the value in it for your children. Um, lessons learned from adventure. Number one, it's okay to fail. It's okay to look foolish as I learn. Practice helps me get better. And most injuries heal pretty quickly. 
And, and so if, if there's an adventure that you think, you know, this may be past them, man, let, let them push themselves physically. We've removed risk from the playgrounds because of our lawsuit happy culture. And, and there, there are very few opportunities that our kids get to, to, to push themselves physically. Um, so a hike, uh, you know, biking, um, stuff like that that you can do as a family that may involve a little risk. That's okay. Um, again, you know, I mean, head injuries are serious, but past that, you know, I mean, Joseph had like four broken bones, and, uh, you know, he's no worse for the wear. Um, and he bounced back. So, uh, Joseph, though, if you're watching this, we love you, and if you have anything broken now, go to the doctor. Um, okay, lastly, add to the fun factor. You see, you can add play and flexibility and fun. You can add to the fun factor without adding to your to-do list. We're, we're not trying to complicate your life here. We're trying to help you be intentional with what you're already doing. So when you're aware of your facial expression, when you're aware of what you're doing in the moment, now you can choose to be intentional about it when you see the value. Add to the fun factor. Think about things that you already do. Drive time, bath time, play time, meal time, family time, bedtime. Now ask yourself, how can I add a little laughter to these things I'm already doing? How can I be intentional about humor and fun during these times? Um, I know Sarah Sonin, she's not here today, Zeke is sick, but Sarah, I know they have dance parties at home. If you have that hour when you're toddlers and preschoolers, you know, you want to gouge your eyes out, you know what hour I'm talking about, right before dinner, um, put the music on. Do you know that you can get a disco light for like 10 bucks on Amazon? And so, oh, it's, it's disco, it's dance party time. Put the music on. Anytime you can do that, it's just, it's, a simple way to add fun to what you're already doing. When you're reading at bedtime, yes, Bible stories are awesome, but then add in a funny story, add some laughter. When you are at the dinner table, ask a funny question to everyone. Think of ways to bring humor to things that you're already doing. Remember the value of humor, particularly if you have children who struggle academically in school. Because humor relaxes the brain. If you can imagine it, your, their brain is going to now have space to do the math, now have space to write the paper, now have space to do the problem solving. So when we see the value of it, now we're willing to do the work and we acknowledge that the work is worth it. There is great value academically for adding play and laughter to your home. Studies have been done about problem solving activities where they get, had two groups and they showed one group a math video more, more academics, and then had them do the problem-solving activity. Then they showed this group bloopers, just a funny video that had nothing to do with, you know, higher-level thinking, and they gave them the problem-solving. The ones who watched the math video, 25% were able to solve the problem. The one who watched the bloopers video, 75% able to solve the problem. There is great value and laughter in your home, particularly for those who struggle in school. Um, just a little aside, if your child does struggle in school and homework is taking five hours, number one, talk to the teacher, because very few teachers desire five hours of homework. Number two, if it's really a struggle and your home, it's affecting your home so much, find, go to the library after school, do homework at the library so that it is not associated with home. 
So just a little tidbit, not in my notes, and so I've got to crank through this last part. Now, funny, I think we spent more time on play. <laughs> what? Um, okay, not really. I'm going to talk a lot about routine because I had to work on it. It did not come naturally to me. I'm not a morning person. I'm not a scheduled person. Max says, every time I look at my watch, it's a brave new world. He says that, he goes, it doesn't matter if it's 10 a.m., 10 p.m. You're always like, oh my word. I got, yeah, okay, I have no internal clock. But, you know, let's celebrate my strengths, okay? But it's not my strength at all. And yesterday he laughed at me because I kept saying, I can't find my fearless mom binder. I must have left it at the office. So last night we got in the car because I said I wanted to go out to dinner for uh, a study break. I had timed it just right because I'm so scheduled. And so um, I opened my car door and I'm like, oh, there's my notebook. He said, do you know the number of times you say, oh, there's my sweater. Oh, there are my boots. Oh, there's my notebook. So just know a lot of research has gone into this, okay? This is hardcore right here. Um, so even if play and fun, you know, aren't your strength, we celebrate you as we move into this next part if you're an orderly person and we ask you to help us out, okay? So um, the first Corinthians, oh, routine is restful, structure is security. You've got to recognize that first. Routine is restful, structure is security, 1 Corinthians 14.33, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Do you see what he put as the opposite of disorder? Peace. If you want a home that, I'm home, I'm safe, I like it here, then you get rid of the disorder. Our God is not a God of disorder, but of peace as in all the congregation of the Lord's people. So I had to acknowledge that this was not my strength, but that it was vital to my children. And so because I recognized that, I told Mac, I go, you know, I knew this my whole life, that my life would work better if I was more orderly, if I were on time, if I were, but there's no motivator like children. And so maybe you've recognized this as a weakness for yourself before, but I'm going to tell you something. When you put it into action in your family and you see how it affects your children, it's quite the motivator. Um, routine and structure, if you do any studying on emotional health, not just for your children but for yourself, routine and structure are important for emotional health. And the whole first semester we talked about building emotional strength and the value of the mom having emotional strength. So there's value in working this into your life as you try to raise emotionally strong children. There's value for you. Um, also, we know that life presents challenges, that we cannot schedule and structure everything, that there will be unexpected things that come. But we are more able, our children are more able to handle those turns when their home and their life is built on a foundation of safety and security. And we've established here that routine is restful and structure is security. They go hand in hand. Um, children develop a sense of certainty and security when they know what to expect. When they know what is coming, it removes the disease. Um, Oh, disease, disease, unease is what I meant. It removes the unease. Um, it helps children understand time and time management. Helps children get used to having chores. We've discussed that our responsibility is to actually transfer the baton of responsibility. And so working in a routine and getting these things into place actually helps that transfer. Um, it helps establish important habits. 
just hygiene habits. We're going to talk about that. They learn, uh, here is the biggie, and I'm doing so much research on this right now that I'm kind of obsessed. Um, They learn self-discipline and delayed gratification. When you have a schedule and a routine, they they know when things are coming, and they learn how to wait for it. And so that connection, self-control, self-discipline, and delayed gratification, I believe is something that will be vital to them as young adults. And so when you see that connection, it changes the game. Um, Now, first, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hit our how to do this. Number one, establish a schedule. If you have an infant... You may be thinking, wow, that would be nice. Well, this is a season for you. This is a season where you have to find the humor in everything, okay? All that spit up, all that, you know, you're kind of deliriously laughing at times. And so you just know that you're working toward that your goal is to bring it back here, to balance the play in order. And so you understand it's a series of seasons, and right now your baby is dictating your schedule, and that's okay. Um, There are many philosophies out there about scheduling infants. We're not going to get into that right now. That's between you and your husband, you and your family. Um, Many, many books out there so about that. But right now understand that it's a season for you. There will be a day when you sleep through the night. There will be a day, and it's not that far away, that you can actually shave your legs, both legs on the same day. (laughs) It's coming. It's coming. Hang in there. It will be there. As your kids get older and extracurricular activities come into play, um, understand if you have a three-year-old, you don't have to play soccer at age three. You, you don't have to. That's your choice. You don't have to at age four. When Joseph was in kindergarten, he still needed a nap in the afternoons. He still needed a nap in the afternoons. And when he started playing baseball, like by second grade, if he had a nighttime game, then um, he would take a nap after school. You know your children. You know your home. You control your calendar. Don't let your calendar control you. Do not fall into the trap of, well, I have a kindergartner, he needs tutoring because he's not reading yet. Okay, your kid's in school, like a lot of hours. (laughs) And so you just talk to the teacher, talk to the, use good judgment here. Don't get caught up in the, we have to. You have to pay your taxes. Past that, you choose to. Okay, so you choose what your family does. You control your schedule, but get a predictable schedule. Talk about your schedule with your kids so that they know what to expect. Today is Wednesday. What do we do on Wednesday? Talk about it. Tomorrow's Thursday. Does everybody know what's coming up tomorrow? So you have some sort of schedule. Now, it changes in the summer. It changes each semester, but talk about that with your children. Um, There are a lot of kids who there is great unease and great uncertainty when they don't know what to expect recognize that maybe that's not your bent but recognize that it may be your child's so a schedule on sunday we go to church and if it's different prepare them the day before you know what we're we're going to the early service tomorrow we're going to the whatever it is recognize the importance of a schedule in in addition to establishing a schedule teach daily routines this is Every age. I read an article that the mother said, I have not waked my kids up for school since they were in sixth grade. 
She passed that baton of responsibility when they were in sixth grade. They set their alarm. They got themselves up. It's a little too late for me. But uh, I would encourage you, pass the baton as soon as you can. Morning routines, waking, eating breakfast, brushing teeth, getting dressed, making the bed. Daily routines, picking up after playing, cleaning the kitchen after eating. Um, I would encourage you, if you have littles, let them participate as much as they can in your daily routines. Um, Snack time, homework after school, before playtime. Um, We're going to talk more about this when we talk about discipline as they get older and um, we don't do anything until we do what we have to do first. You know, get your homework done before you go outside to play. Depends on your kid. Um, Sometimes you need a little rest in there if school is a struggle for them. Maybe give them a 30-minute window to play. Then we come back to homework. Um, So, and then evening routines. Bath time, cleaning room, brushing teeth, going to the bathroom, reading time, bedtime. Same routine every night. If you can, certainly there are times when you can't. But I'm going to be honest, guys, not my strength. Not my strength. But I had a child who was very important. It changed the game when I began doing the same thing every night. And my husband was in student ministry, and he was in charge of the sports league at church. So our schedule was different all the time. And so I had to figure out what worked for us. There was a time, I vividly remember, we were on beach week. Emily was pretty easy. She was pretty much a teenager when she was six months old. And so I had a condo of girls, and Emily was crying. And I'm like, that's so annoying. And then I realized, oh, I haven't fed her. (laughs) Yeah. Hadn't better. So um, I would encourage you that uh, you may want to write your schedule down. <laughs> you may want to check it off, but routine is important. Um, and again, these uh, hygiene routines, the more and the more quickly you can pass the baton, then they take that on themselves. And the more they can do themselves, see, now you've removed the battle. You've removed, and I will tell you a little trick too. My children weren't morning people, and nor was I. So instead of getting dressed in the morning, They got dressed the night before. And so they slept in whatever they were wearing to school the next day. And so I did draw the line. Joe was not allowed to wear his tennis shoes. Um, So all they had to do was put on their shoes. Mm -hmm. That may not be your thing. That's okay. It worked for our family. (laughs) Hashtag don't judge. But they put on their whole outfit the night before. And so there was no, I can't find whatever it was on their body. And so we were ready to go. And um, so that's just what worked for us. We were trying to simplify morning routine as much as we could. As they got older, um, when we talk about routine and our evening routine and our morning routine, our children were both um, playing uh, sports at school. So that meant afternoon uh, practices and evening games. And they were alternating, of course. So one, um, and we only have two kids. And so what we did was we said, okay, our family meal is family breakfast. And so there were seasons when Emily's practice was before school and our family breakfast started at 545. Boy, it was fun. Now, it it really, Emily will tell you, you know, uh, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, a tale of two cities, but um, she, uh, it just became part of our routine. And it was early enough, and it was expected, it wasn't a discussion, family breakfast, 5.45 in the morning. For every minute you're late, I get your phone for two days. And so, guess what? Miraculously, they were on time. Because, but uh, we'll talk more about that when we talk about discipline. But it just was our morning routine. It wasn't a discussion. It's just what we did. And so it was just part of our routine. Part of our routine. And give yourself, if you've got elementary and middle school, understand 
that variables will come. So give yourself 15 more minutes. So go ahead and work that into your routine. You see, we learn quickly. There are many things we cannot control, so let's control the things we can. And as we're controlling those things that we can and making those choices we can, let's put in buffer so that we can deal with the unexpected. So when Emily realized, when she got a text from her friend, hey, have you finished that project? And she was like, oh, what, that's due today? You see, we had a little buffer time in there because we did the family breakfast so early. So anyway, that's just what worked for us. And getting dressed the day before, I mean, I would do it myself if I could. And hey, that's like a gym. When you find a shirt, and I found some at Target, I've said this before, that double is a nightgown, win, win. Win, win. I have one top that it is a cover-up. It is a top with leggings. It is, I mean, kind of a skimpy dress, but if you're at the beach. And a nightgown. Are you joking me? I got four. Mm -hmm. Pretty much my uniform for the summer. But um, so keep, you know, make those choices to keep it as simple as you can. But work in the routines and pass the torch as quickly as you can. Assign spots for everything. Having a place for everything and everything having a place. Again, not my strength. But I realized that our lives worked better when everything has a place. And I also realized that the more quickly I could pass that baton of responsibility, the better off my kids were. If my kids, as early as, as, as young as possible, they were responsible for their own shoes. And your shoes are where you last, last left them. And so if you put it in its place today, you'll find it in its place tomorrow. If you don't, you won't. And so that's your responsibility. Was there a time when Joe went to church with one shoe? Yes. I mean, hashtag don't judge, okay? So uh, there are, it doesn't always work beautifully, but the more you can do it. Now listen, if you have toddlers and preschoolers, your home is not pristine, and that's okay. It's not supposed to be. And so the extra saucer doubles as a coffee table, you know, or as a side table for your, that's okay. That's the season you're in. So do what you can, though. Clean up the night before. Make that part of your kids' responsibilities, part of their nightly routine. If you can walk, you can work. If you can pull those toys out, you can put those toys back in. And so that is part of their routine. And I would tell my children, your morning, your day goes better if you wake up to a clean room. So here's your responsibility. Pick up these toys. And we've got a system in place that's easy for them to pick up. We have a system right now where you have those uh, Sterilite boxes like that. And they know all of the Legos go in one. All of, so if I have kids over to play, I still have those boxes. All the American Girl goes in one. All the Legos. It's not complex. It's not cute. But it's functional. And it keeps things scheduled, it keeps things in routine, and everything has a place. And so I'm not working to be, you know, have an article in Southern Living, you know, written about me. I'm working to create, I'm home, I'm safe, I like it here. And so everything has a place. Not my strength, but it is mission critical. And lastly, create time to connect. The interesting part about the schedule and the routine, it seems like it is all about just do it, just do it, just do it. But if you will put those uh, practices into place, you will find that you have more time to connect. You will find that you are more at ease 
when you're at the dinner table. You will find that you are calmer in the car if everybody had their clothes out the night before, if everybody went to bed in their clothes, if whatever works for you. Whatever it is, you will find that you are able to connect more. Ironically, as opposite as play and order seem, the more order you have, the more likely you are to play the more likely you are to have space to laugh, to have the um, you know, attitude and the outlook to find humorous you know, things in every situation. So even though they seem at odds, they actually both fuel one another. And so maybe you have um, children who are just like you, or maybe you have children who are opposite of you. Maybe you have a husband who's the opposite of you or who's like you. Recognize your strengths and work on your weaknesses. Acknowledge that both are of great value to you, to your life, to your marriage, to your family, and certainly to your children. And when you put these into action, and yes, it requires work, but again, I, it wasn't adding things to my to-do list. It actually just made me more intentional with what I was already doing. And so, yes, for me, it took more upfront time, but then it required less work as I transferred the responsibility. Same with play and laughter. Once you're aware of it, now you're able to be more intentional about it. Because when you begin, when you grasp a childlike love of fun and laughter, it will add years to your life and life to your years. And when you understand that routine and schedule and order provide opportunities for self-discipline and time management, and those both fuel emotional strength, now you see the value, now you see that it's worth it. It's work, but I guarantee you, moms, the work is worth it. And God will help you. He will help fill in the gaps. You do your best, and he will take care of the rest. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you that you tell us in Scripture that it's okay, that it's good, that there's value in laughter. God, I also thank you for giving us the, the example that you set, that our world is orderly, that our days are orderly, that our seasons come and go. Help us learn from you. Help us have the strength, the courage, the wisdom, the discernment to put these into practice in our homes. We are grateful to you and for you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.